Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ongi etorri, as they say in Basque land. Ongi etorri, which is Kate Mila Falcher, Falcher over Fod. Welcome. Hola, bienvenido, and welcome everybody to the podcast. This is the Tommy and Hector show with Loretta Blewett. Powered by ACOST. Powered by the wonderful machine that's ACAST. It's an engine. It is an engine. To anybody who is listening in wherever you are, whether you're in a park in Sydney with the headphones on and it's 28 degrees, whether you're working on a turbine in northern Finland on a six-month contract, whether you're walking around just outside Faneuil Hall in Boston with or, the headphones on. Or doing a 50 to 20-year stretch for Mother up in Mount Chai. Whether you're sitting outside the infirmary in Waterford waiting on the results if you're pregnant or not. Or if you've been kidnapped and you're in the boot of a taxi and the driver is passing some time. And you're driving your tractor down a Knockmore. Whether you're on the sideline watching the children playing football and you said you'll get a little half-hour fix, we welcome you to the podcast Ongi Atorri. Ongi Atorri. Now, do you speak Basque as well as Spanish? No, Basque is made up of X's and Z's and Y's, a very ancient language. Like the, the lads in Africa do the clicking. The X-H-O-S-I fellas. That's the name of the tribe. The Zoxies. How do... But it's all the speaking clicks, clicks and clacks. All oh, right. <laughs> you wouldn't know what to be on about. They'd be shouting at you. And Wasn't po- there a lad in and, point, and pointing sticks at you. There's a few lads down in Balnada talk like that as well. I think that's a cleft palate. That's a different dose altogether. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll give you three words in Basque. The only ones I know. Kaisho is hello. K a i x o. Kaisho. And Angiatori is welcome. And Iskarigasku. Uh, is something like it sounds a bit Polish, doesn't it? Like, or is it just the way you're pronouncing them? Polish Chinese Maori, Polish. Yeah, it's a different world. The Basque. I, after spending a couple of years in the Basque country, when I started speaking Spanish over there with them, and they knew I, I was living in Bilbao, they love freckles on your skin, they oh, love yeah. blue eyes, mm. and they love red hair because they are pure Celts. Oh yeah, so you're Celtic. There's a link there. There's a link. Yeah. So they were happy to see me. Uh, Illegori is redhead. Illegori. Isn't, isn't language great? We've spoken about this before. But that's my welcome to everyone around the world. How are ye two? Well, I, I want to... Mm. Uh, I have just noticed that I am willing, ready, and able at any time of the day to fall asleep. Oh, I thought you were going to be so enthusiastic there about something. Has anybody I else noticed that? I was expecting a massive... I thought you were like, I'm ready like, for, no, to be to, positive. To have another world. baby, to get married, re- to ha- have your vows done again. No, I just, I just noticed that at any hour of the day, and all I need to do is let the relevant authorities know, be that uh, the people I'm in the car with me, or the kids, or the wife, I could fall asleep... <laughs> Is that called, I think that's I've, called narcolepsy, I think. No, I, no, no, that's called... No, no, narcolepsy is when you, you, you fall asleep. Yes. I'm talking about the desire to fall asleep. Oh, right, yeah. I could have... Like, I was up to... I don't know if I told you this before, but I'm up at half six every morning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> but, 
But I'll start getting text messages at half six from him now. By the I'm way, up. Did, did you notice the text last night at yeah. half nine? And he was Tommy, st- everyone okay for tomorrow? He was Larita, two minutes later. Yeah, and he was in his p- slippers and his pipe. Was I was in bed. Whiskey. I went to bed at half eight last night. That's what? A, I went to bed at half eight. For the whole night and you slept? Yes, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd have a pain in my head by ten. I got up with you. Do you know what happened? I, I got into the bed half eight, and I was and, the, and like <laughs> I had the glass of whiskey beside the bed. Ah, I, stop it! And uh, the pajamas and the cashmere cardigan on, the woolly socks, and I always sleep with my hat on. Always like Rip Van Winkle. Never take the hat off. And I fell asleep, and I, I say I was probably asleep around a quarter past twenty past nine, and I woke up. At one o'clock in the morning, and I didn't know what time it was. Right, you know, and I went over, and I, I've, I've watched that lights up in the dark. Right, now I was, you know, when you wake up and you want to know how long you've left in the bed. Yes, I looked at my watch and it lit up one a.m. and I actually said out loud, "I love one o'clock." Because <laughs> <laughs> there is something feeling. lovely because about that. I had another five and a half yeah. hours of sleep ahead. It's fantastic. But I'm I'd fall asleep anytime. So now we need anytime. to address something. There, you said you went to bed with the whiskey again. So we now know that you're back on the whiskey again. Well, from last I got week. a I got a bottle. So I had to drink, but the bottle is finished last oh. night. It's gone now, yeah. It's gone, it's gone. Bottle so of Jemmy, was it? Yes, and it's gone now, all okay. done. But I'm just, um, so I, even though I got a tremendous amount of hours of sleep last night, uh, and I was up early this morning, but I got the, we got the kids out to school and uh, did the morning drive to Salt Hill and back, dropping the girls to Salerno. I came back to the house and I swear to God, I was fucking falling asleep at the table. What? So I was falling asleep at the kitchen table. Is there an and only that you're here now, I'm hyped up, like I'm ready to talk. But if you hadn't come here, I'd be, I'd be head being me, hands on the kitchen table. Or would you have a nap on a daily basis? Like I'd have, I'd be look. I mightn't get the opportunity. Yesterday, I went back running, went back lifting weights. Yes, came back looking great. Asleep, I had to sleep when I came back. What's like? Uh, do no, I have, no, there's a, do I have long term invisible no, COVID? Is it? Is, is there, <laughs> Maybe you do. What do you mean? I'm exhausted. Is there after a little bit of food, uh, do you go and have a little lie down? Oh, I, but that's to do with the amount of carbs that take into your body. I'm talking about I would that would happen to me, but at any time, any time. And this is only recently. Yeah, well, recently enough. But then I said I looked at the dog, right? So the dog was up at me at half six this morning, right? And he goes running around the place until about nine, quarter past nine, and then he's asleep in the hall. <laughs> but he's a dog. Yeah, but, yeah, but he's, he's smart, you see. But so, I'm, but he's and what I'm saying is that it's a, he's a natural organism, mm. right? And it's natural for his organism to be up and then a snooze and to be up and then a snooze. And maybe that's the way I'm designed. You're taking as well. dog life. Well, if features. you think about it, when when the kids were born, when the, uh, my boys were babies, I remember my brother Freddie saying, who his kids were a tiny bit older, he said, "Now here's the golden rule." And I suppose any parents out there would recognise this. You sleep when the chi- when the babies sleep. So now, why don't we sleep when we want to sleep? I mean, getting little 40 winks when you have a six-month-old and you're up at four in the morning is vital. That's why don't we do that throughout our lives? I tell you why, because the military-industrial complex has taken charge of our sleeping hours. And it's only since the... I was told by a very, very clever man that it's only since the, in, the Industrial Revolution in England in the 1700s or 1800s, that's when people started having sex lying down. Before that, right. when we were an agricultural economy, people would be riding, standing up at all hours of the day and all hours of the night. Just around the house. Just, just around the field. You might right. sp- right. spot your, your favourite one and you go in behind the hearth. Like a tree. cow and, and bull job. The, yeah. The, 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 the bale of hay. So when industrialisation came into it and we had to be working from nine till six, right? that did away with the nap. Nobody was having yeah. naps then and nobody was doing any daytime riding. The only people doing daytime riding and sleeping now are housewives <laughs> and maybe fellas on the night shift or those on the dole. <laughs> people on the dole are the only ones doing riding standing up during the day. That's well, a fact. If they can find someone else that's mm. to ride. They're not even taking advantage of themselves. Well, yeah, you know I what suppose, I mean? yeah. Fellas, fellas who do be working now, there'd be loads of fellas around the work who say, I'll just pop into the jacks for a quick one by myself. They'd be unusual. Yeah, you know, but it's most most of the time the your work dictates too much of your yeah uh, maybe, maybe maybe in this human part I think maybe since we started the podcast, I agree with you. Maybe you're getting a bit more tired. I did get up there about two weeks ago and um, 
went and had a nap about an hour later. Let me so. just, did you hear yourself there? <laughs> the I day. did get up there about an hour ago. Just for I the sake of the listeners. Country song just for the sake of the listeners, um, it is a hectic schedule, this podcast recording. Oh. Once a week. Uh, <laughs> No, but for it's a, uh, <laughs> an hour or so, uh, we talk into the microphone. And R- Larita will be pure bet at the I'm end of it. I'm wrecked. I don't like talking to people after we finish. when you go back up to me? Nobody Mayo. is allowed to ring, speak to me after the podcast is over. Shattered. I'm sick of talking to people. At the top of the show, I said I lived in the Basque Country for a few years. The Spanish uh, have been taking a siesta since time began. They have it down to a T. I'm sure Irish people were doing the same, but I'm telling you, it's once we started working for the man. That's yep. when that's when all schnoozing stopped. When I was teaching English in Bilbao for a couple of years, the routine was I'd head off in the morning, do a couple of hours, I'd come back around my area, get my little bit of bread, bit of lunch, I'd have a lunch. This was at half twelve, one o'clock, and I wasn't due back in class till six or half six. I would watch The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, El Principe de Bel-Air, in Spanish, and I'd go into my room and I'd pull down the persianas, the shutters, because the Spanish are smart. Mm. They don't use curtains. They have these Persian shutters that block out and complete art. They're made of wood or something. And the heat then, made of wood, and then you're lying on the bed and you're sweating and you can hear budgery guards on a balcony across from you and you can hear, and then all of a sudden you're asleep and there's not a sound for the siesta in Spain. And then at half six, six o'clock, the shops open up again, life happens again, people are out walking and then you're back into it. They're very, very smart. Mm. The siesta is integral, integral, Part of Spanish culture and Latin American mm. culture, and that's smart, isn't uh, it? And is, is that anything to do with heat? I think I was, think, was like thinking I, that, yeah. I, I, I lived in Africa from 1973 to 1976. I was only a child at the time, he and didn't I didn't even know he was in Africa at the time. <laughs> I <laughs> thought he, he thought he was in Galway, <laughs> I just thought it was a heat wave in Donegal. <laughs> Um, and some people are after catching a fierce I mean, tan. What That's what I thought. <laughs> right. How can you remember all these stories? You're only three. But <laughs> unbelievable memory. Unbelievable. But <laughs> oh, for us, it was too hot to go to school in the afternoon. So we used yeah. to start school at seven in the morning, and we'd finish at twelve. So because it was too hot to be inside in the mm. building uh, during the afternoon, and we'd then mm. so you'd be, head home or go to there's an outdoor swimming pool in the town. Uh, we go to that one. Whites only, if my memory serves me well. But again, I had nothing to do with that. And but I'm wondering, is it with the siesta in Spain? Is it a heat thing as opposed to? I think it must come through the Moorish, so the the, the Northern Africa. I yeah, I, it's that the, the Africans came up, invaded Spain, but we must now have a short <laughs> sleep uh, between <laughs> the, Moors, the, Moors, the Moors. The Moors. I tell um, you, if we did that in Ireland, the, we wouldn't go back to school in the evening. You People wouldn't go no, back. No, you no, do the no. two hours Where's in the gone? morning. He's gone for a siesta. I'm not going back there. I have something else to do. Is there an Irish word for siesta? There must be. Tamaline bug or uh, something. No, a 40 winks. 40 winks. No, Irish. Uh, yeah, there must be yeah, a little some word. kind of a phrase. Yeah, I used to love that watching the French Prince of Belair. Then I'd be up in my class. <laughs> French Prince uh, Which of leads Belair. me into a good story. Here we go. This has sparked a good one. I was teaching English as a foreign language for four years and many tens of thousands of what age happened. were you what age were you <laughs> right and for me what age be, were you? I was uh, in my late 20s and right. I was living in Bilbao it was the you early weren't in your late 20s or your early 20s early 20s probably yeah but Tommy I can't remember like you when you were three <laughs> in Africa I'm just trying to give a general thing to the audience God, you learned a lot as a three-year-old. What did that mean, Tommy? That means uh, someone passed the ball to young Tierney, he's out in the wing, no one's marking him. Right. He learned at three. Yeah. So I was teaching English as a foreign language. Uh, Went over to see me miss, I was living on the Aran Islands. I got me double door. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, here, well, I... I I thought we were in Spain teaching English as a foreign language. I want to paint a picture. Where is he now? I was living on the Aran Islands on English Man. Oh, for God's sake. No, no, I was living on the Aran Islands on English Man. I got me double dole off Pat John, the postman. Right. Yes. Double dole, lovely. How did you cash. get the double dole? Because I was going on a week's holiday to Spain. To see <laughs> <me>. <laughs> and I got, do you ever get they the double dole? Did advance. you ever get the double dole? It's a brilliant one. You get it before Fela. I got it before Fela. But what, did years. they just give it to you? Like yeah, they you knew tell, you were going somewhere. You tell them you're going on holidays <laughs> and they give you the double dole. <laughs> not. What a great Yeah, of name. course. You get the double dole, yeah. So yeah. you'd say, oh, I'm, I'm way next week, so could you just no, you double it No, you can't abuse the situation here. Yeah. You, Once a year you'd get it. Well, you get it at Christmas and by law. And fail it. 
and and the bonus. You get the double dole and the bonus. Right. bonus. You wouldn't milk it now. You can't milk no. the double. You can't say every week you're going for the double dole. No. Right. You'd run out of weeks fairly rapid. So I, okay. I said to Pat John of Arda in Inish Man, I said, Pat John, I'm a gold gob, Tierna Moscow, go Bilbao, go Machailin. Uh, fiddle him a double dole all. He said, Kinsha. So he gave me the double dole and I hopped on. Can I tell you the whole story? Here? Please. Well, go on. We're waiting. I brought a two man tent on me back oh, and says. a sheepskin jacket and I left Inish Man on the Rose of Aaron and I got to Russaville and then I got the bus from Russaville into Air Square. And then I got the bus from Air Square to the roundabout at Oran Moor. She should be wrecked already. <laughs> Now, this and, is a, and then he took the double tent out and he, and he <laughs> lied on the side of the road. So it was about eight o'clock in the evening at this stage and I, I was hitching to Navin. I was going to spend a night in Navin before I got the boat to Ross Lair. So um, my thumb is out. It's now seven o'clock in the evening in Ornmore at the roundabout. You know the final roundabout before you yes. went left at the, at the football pitch? Then it's eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Still thumb standing out, there. Nobody there. And then it was dusk, and then I went, this is one of the worst hitching experiences yes. I've ever had. So what I did was, I took the tent out, you did and I went into the football pitch around the back of the community centre, and a lovely bit of grass, and I pitched the tent, and I went in and had a great sleep. I woke up the next morning, packed it all away, went out on the roundabout about half Vagabond. eight. Vagabond. Went out on the roundabout at <laughs> half eight, stuck the thumb out, <laughs> where you going? Trim. Oh my word, all the way to Trim. Got to Navin, had the night in Navin, got to Fishguard, went to, went, went to Spain, blah, 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 blah. Right, so I arrived in Bilbao. Yeah. So we're in Bilbao. Yes. So I'm teaching English as a foreign language to my first students. Now hang on, now is this the two weeks here, is, is this the double dole fortnight? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I'm mixing my stories up here. Oh yeah. now we're confused because we want to know no, what you did with the double is, that was my Welcome to another episode of CSI Storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I just say that was one of my journeys to Spain? Yes, right. Anyway, so anyway, another another, a, another time. Cut a long story short, I ended up staying in Bilbao teaching English as a foreign language, TEFL. So I'm in my Spanish class in Bejal in Algorta. It's a, it's the south side of Bilbao. It's Bejal Idiomas Language School. There's it's an old building. There's twenty five or thirty teachers in the building, and then. As you graduate in from 13, 14 year olds, that's might say six months later, you might have 18 year olds advanced English. So I graduated pretty quick and I had a bunch of 19 and 20 year old Basques, now, girls, I, girls I, and boys. Had you done a TEFL course? Yeah, did okay. it at Lisa Street for two days. Okay. Two days. Oh, so you're well qualified. Oh, you're overqualified. So. Jeez, two did, days. He did a double Jeez. course. Did you do it twice? I got the double, I got the double TEFL and the double dole. So, and there's a few 21-year-olds in the class and uh, we're there going. Beautiful looking Spanish people. Yeah, oh, unbelievable. And unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, and <laughs> this is a new word. There's no V I'm in the class. Unbelievable. Six months into my Spanish, in my <laughs> bachelor journey, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to show off my Spanish and I'm there to them. Okay, today we're going to wrap it up by talking about our favourite food really quickly. Rapid fire around the classroom. Miguel, we'll start with you and Jose, Maria, Sonia. Vamos por allá. We're going to, and then you will say your favorite food and I will repeat it in Spanish because I'm learning Spanish. And as you know, I don't speak it very well, but you can tell me what I'm saying wrong. I'll tell you what you're saying wrong. All about your favorite food. Lovely technique. Lovely. So I go, okay, Miguel, open with you. Your favorite food, please. And and, and be nice and, and give me, paint a picture. He goes, Hector, my favorite food is hamburgers. I love hamburgers and I love salad. Hamburgers and salad. Me gusta hamburguesas y ensalada. And he goes, bien. Oh, we go round the class. Sonia, what is your favorite food? For me, I love chule steak with potatoes and uh, chuletas y patatas. Very good. Uh, Miguel, what do you like? Blah, blah. So it's going round the class. Then this girl right down the end. I said, uh, 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 Maria, what's your favorite food? And she goes, uh, my favorite food is chicken. Uh, chicken with <laughs> chips and salad. And I went, oh, te gusta polla, yeah? La polla y patatas fritas y ensalada. Te gusta la polla. And in, in Spain, in the Basque country, <laughs> they do the hand signal like it's like a chicken at your mouth. And I was like this, te gusta la polla, yeah, polla. Because if it's really tasty, you start putting your hand up to your mouth, going, oh, si, si, polla. Yeah. But then they all started laughing at me. The whole fucking class splitting their holes, laughing. All the lads were elbowing each other. And they were oh, going, polla, polla. <laughs> and I was there, I was really, I started going, what, what, what did I, what did I say? And then me, this guy goes, eh, Hector, you cannot say polla. You cannot say polla. You can't say me gusta polla. Because <laughs> you cannot. You have to say me gusta pollo. Pollo, pollo is the chicken. 
Poya, Poya is your penis. Your cock, your cock. You're just, I love dick. I was there going to this beautiful looking spot. Oh, I love dick. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Me gusta la polla. Yeah, yeah. I love a bit of cock and salad <laughs> and some chips. So the, uh, the lesson today is never, a pollo is chicken, polla is cock. I was reading somewhere recently that the mind can take on board a lot of things during your life. It's a, it's a, it's a computer. It's far more powerful than anything we have. But when it comes to the frontal part of your lobe, there's an area there for specific face recognition in your brain. Facial recognition software. In your brain. Yeah. This has been going on for thousands of years. They say your brain has 10,000 faces. And after that, it can't take any more. So in your lifetime, if you've seen 10,000 people, you can't take, you can't, the brain won't recognize that person if you come again. How about Bono? So, <laughs> what about about him? Well, he, 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 they bet 100,000 people every night. But he doesn't see he, all their faces. He doesn't no, see. No, but he'd see the front row <laughs> every night for, <laughs> for 35 years. I was wondering about that. Is that but people that you actually have to I'm, interact yeah, with? Interacting. That over the course of stopping in Ballandine on the way here to at the, that supermax and that petrol station, that you will recognise the person at the. So a school teacher will say a school teacher. You'll always recognise your school. What I'm saying is the brain has the capacity for ten thousand faces to remember. After that, it's like, did we really? Did I meet you before? Oh, it's yeah. gone. Your capacity is over. And I'm finding now that I have to really look at people's faces for a few minutes while they're talking to me and I haven't a clue oh, who they are and they completely know who I am and, and, and they know me well. That's an unfair well, ad- advantage because they know going, you. Like. I'd be there looking going, right, 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 looking at the eyebrows, no, 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 no. And then I'd be trying to dig the conversation. This could be standing in the super value queue going, yeah, 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 yeah. Not a clue who this person is. Talking away and going, yeah, 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 yeah. Clubhouse, clubhouse last two how are you? Yeah, yeah, I have you now, as I say. My, do you know what I mean? I have a, I have a technique for when I forget somebody's name. Uh, it works all the time. I just think of a name. <laughs> and I say it with such confidence. Oh, God, no, Go please. How are you, Yvonne? I say it with such confidence <laughs> that it stops them in their tracks. And then they're not sure if they are. And they're actually. not even sure of their own name. But what... <laughs> What they'll do is Then they'll tell me their name And it's not like I've forgotten their name It's that I have them So say I met you Larisha Right And you, you went How are you Tommy I said Susan Foley How are you And, and you'd be there uh, 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 uh. No actually it's He three. thinks I'm somebody else Yeah well, That's a good idea yeah. that's good. I, uh, Apparently if you say When you meet someone So you meet Hector And you say their name three times when you meet them first like Hector Hector Hector, 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 Hector. you won't ever forget it now I don't know I have a massive problem with remembering people I also I also in the supermarket if I meet someone who knows me and I don't remember them and we're just there and I'm getting scallions and they're going for that punnet of tomatoes uh, I'll just go just as I walk by them I'll say hi see I I won't pronounce the name quickly or if it's the butcher I might go to and they say they think I I've said something, and they think I know their name, no, but no. I have the clue. Once you, my once technique is much better. Chat. It is the, good. The butcher waves to you, you go, Johnny Finnerty. <laughs> 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 He's thinking, what the fuck is Johnny Finnerty? Or it could be Johnny so, Finnerty. So, so isn't it isn't it amazing to think that your brain can recognise ten thousand and store it? But after that, it's a free for all. Well, you've obviously met ten thousand people. You've met ten thousand people. But Larita, at this stage, you've met them in shops and post offices and everywhere you go. Think of the people you might regularly meet in your daily routine over the last 30 I years. can remember people's faces with their names I don't have the capacity for that oh, Stop I'm very bad for that I haven't a clue but I, I, tr- I need at least three minutes of conversation and then I have to I'm like Sherlock Holmes pickpocketing them and then finally my brain goes <laughs> I think it's Michal saying the word Michal Susan Michal I'll talk to you give no, it's just, Susan Foley that's just, brilliant just comes straight out of the end of McNulty <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, how are you? Maureen Flaherty, how are you? Oh, that's, I'm going to try that in the supermarket next week. I had a wonderful thing happen to me during the week. Wonderfully interesting thing. So uh, I got involved with local GAA uh, as a trainer. And be training uh, young fellas now. Wouldn't be in secondary school yet, uh, but love it. And I, I, like I may have said to you before, you'd fall in love with them, like mm. the, the spirit of them and the... 
just the, all the innocence and innocence but the talents they have and the way talent manifests itself differently in different people like one fella is amazing at solos he couldn't run two yards but he can solo with his knee with his calf with his both feet with his shoulders he's phenomenal anyway so I, I was having a bit of this one fella I I was having just difficulty communicating with him. You should put that fill in gold that's right. good at solo and just so <laughs> yeah. just, just a future <laughs> reference. And he was kinda he's always looking up at the sky and I'd be telling him he takes and he stops playing every six minutes to tie his shoelaces and he's always nah. looking over the ditches and he's uh So at the end of the session where the coaches have a little kind of get together and I talking to one of the boys and I I was saying, I have awful problems with your man, you know, the particular young fella. And I says to him, um, "Just he's he's very talented, but he's a he's a he's a he's a pure dreamer, wanderer, yeah, pure dreamer." And your man said to me, "Ara, maybe he's right." <laughs> and I thought that was a wonderful way of. Wouldn't you love a fellow like that to be in charge of kids? I thought you of all people would have appreciated that young fella's stance on life. I suppose, but I just I guess in a in a military industrial. Uh, pursuits such as under 12 football <laughs> you want to be organised but I just thought maybe he's right yeah, it was such a marvellous mm. way of approaching young people and you, you, you'd hope that, that wouldn't you love to have a headmaster like that Yeah. wouldn't you love if that man now was minister for education Yeah. and there was a, there was room in every day given for young fellows who just wanted to stare at Look ditches out the window uh, uh, fantastic you know and oh, nice I remember I was in uh, in Garbley, uh, boarding school in Ballinasloe. I was there for two years and they had these things called the Social Concern Awards. So there's an awards day, right? The best athlete in the school is given an award. The most academic young fella is given an award. All these kind of things just to kind of uh, publicly acknowledge the efforts of... And every year they gave out five Social Concern Awards because it was a diocesan school. It was a boarding school run by priests. St. Vincent de Paul was big in the school, so and I guess in years gone by it might have been a training ground for priests. But now that that wasn't happening so much, um, they still kept the social concern awards to kind of um, uh, I, I don't just to acknowledge the the non academic yeah. good, good work that fell has done. They they wanted to give me one, right? Now, I got into so much trouble in that school I boycotted me summer exams summer exams came around and I said I'm not doing these because they're the Irish educational system isn't properly attuned to the human spirit so I boycotted the exams you on your own yeah the only fella in, out of 350 each big statement big statement and after my parents spending all the money on the on the boarding school as well and the exam was handed down to me and for the nine exams I just sat there with my arms folded and I didn't the ink never touched the paper I got zero in everything <laughs> right I started uh, a magazine in the school uh, called 199 and it was all it was full of articles about apartheid and um, uh, it had graffiti and CND and Amnesty International and all this type of stuff and I started we were myself and Hector were in school together debating was big in Nav you know it was a big important thing so I started there was no debating in Garbley when I went there so I started to debate and thing you know now when I was given the Social Concern Award Social Concern Award and the award for Social Concern <laughs> goes to uh, there was five of us getting them and there was one fella uh, and he had done a fierce amount of work with St Vincent de Paul Society in the school done a lot of outreach programs helped a lot of old people in terms of loneliness uh, would have done a lot of just on the ground activity with good lads himself right? he was very proud and honoured to get his social concern award but on reading that I was going to get one as well uh -oh. refused to accept it refused to accept his award because he thought the fact that I was being given one devalued the whole thing mm. and uh he he said that all that fucker does is stare out fucking windows <laughs> touching his hole. <laughs> and that just... <laughs> why dream why did they want to give you that word, though? I guess because the headmaster wanted just to acknowledge that even though I wasn't prospering academically, 
that I was still included. Yeah, yeah. I was still engaged in some way in the school, and you know, you have to. As a fella said to me one time, it takes all types of people to make a world. It does, and you have to acknowledge that people Absolutely. are gifted in in, in their own but way. isn't it different it's ways? Not a so bad did thing you to take say. the award? Of course, I took the award. I even I even had fuck. I remember me French teacher. I won't say her name, but a French teacher from Donegal even said to me, "Why are they giving one to you? All you do is sitting your whole love out the window." So I just thought that that it just reminded me those whole the coach saying that to me on the sideline last week. Arash, yes. maybe he's right. Just set but this we're kind all, of shouldn't we all be more daydreaming? Daydreaming, what a lovely way to put it. Daydreaming. When do we give time to daydream? And oh, he's a daydreamer. She's a daydreamer. Oh, that lad's no good in school. He's a daydreamer. Beautiful. What a beautiful two my, words my to put nephew together. Is is only started school now, he's only five, but he was in Ninra before that last year. And the teacher said, Oscalgo, but I'll say it in English because I don't know how to say it in Irish, that he spent most of his time looking out the window. And he says to her, Well, that's because we've done the letter five ten times. <laughs> and he said, I don't understand why you have to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Tell us about reading out the death notices on the radio. Oh. So obviously, I used to work in Midwest, and you'd have if you were doing a certain show, you'd have to maybe you you, do, you did a lot of other jobs in there as well as doing a show, and uh, I they they said you'll have to read the death notices one of the days, and I thought, oh Jesus Christ, please don't ask me. That. And what was your fear of it? I don't like reading stuff that's written down. I don't have no problem talking. As opposed to reading stuff that's written down. That you have to read, like, like it's not like I can't read, but I feel a pressure when I've, there's a microphone or when there's, like, again, reading at mass. Like, I, I, there's an extra pressure on me when I have to read at mass because I am anticipating there's a word going to pop up on the next line that I'm just not going to be able to pronounce. Okay. So, the death notices and, like, Give me again, a link. Give, do, do the whole link from what the song you played into the, the, the segue. I think I was Midwest doing, is a classic station. So I think before, no, I wasn't, like, I didn't go and that's Stevie Wonder now for the death notices. You know, I didn't do it that way, but that's how, you know, yeah. you wouldn't, it's not that kind of a link. You'd have to do the death notices first and you have to have a little bit of a somber voice for the death notices because no... That's the new one from no Decker and yeah, yeah. And here's the death notices. So... I, I see it's you're very specific people listen to the death notices religiously and do not get the village or the town wrong that they're from yeah. and you know there's pronunciations of course places. yeah oh, Jesus so it's always a, a joke like in my house if, they, if you've ever heard Larissa doing the death notices so they start off the death has occurred of XX and then it's the name of the village and I'm thinking oh fuck it I don't know how to pronounce this and you run past it quick and you do the next bit, you know, and uh, then it's, you know, the funeral will proceed to St. Mary's Church and Ahogower and blah, 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 blah. But it is absolutely a travesty to hear me reading the death notices. I just can't do it. I, I, and then it's what like, do you do straight after? And now here's the new one from Dickie Rock. And then you go into the bingo. The bingo is very important as well. The bingo notices, bingo balls. But the death notices... I, I'd love to get a recording of me reading the death notices and play them for you. Oh, it's and bad. D- is, it, is it that you hesitate? Yeah. And I panic on the word, like. How many would you read out in one go? Oh, there'd probably be 10 or 12, like. Or maybe it could be 15 on a busy day and, you know, 20 maybe. The death 20 notices. dead people? What the fuck has gone on? Different <laughs> mayo. mayo yeah. Was it, tw- a lot of death would it be 12 o'clock of the day you do with a big... The, be, the death notices, I think, are on at quarter past eight, maybe, I don't know, five o'clock. Probably one of the most popular things on Midwest Radio. In eight o'clock in the morning, lunchtime, and then five o'clock in the evening, rush hour times. I'm telling you, there's, there's great comfort in in hearing the in hearing the death notes. Well, not for me reading them. Not we'll have reading to them get we'll have to get permission to just use a snippet. Oh, it's a bad job. It's a bad job. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I tell you what I have noticed that my favourite part I don't like national newspapers I think I've told you that before I think they have no manners and I think um, there's great decency in Irish journalism but the vast majority of it is to be found in local newspapers oh yeah they're just they have just have a cop on they're not after salacious stories they're not after hunting people who don't deserve it they're just and there's an edge to daily newspaper national newspapers which is just it's ugly and I think it's toxic but I love the provincial papers I love the local papers and I've realised over the past two years I kind of noticed my habits my, I get awful comfort I get awful comfort from reading the death notices oh I love it. I Reading love just going bad. on and I just seeing who has died. And to me, I don't know what I don't know what the comfort is like. To me, they're like they're gone ahead of me. Do mm. you know what I mean? It's kind of like you're a, you're a, a a long line of people, a huge tribe marching across the desert. And there's some people are, I I'll go on and see what it's like. And these people are way ahead of us and they've died and you see their pretty little pictures. Mm. in the death section every the little week. memorial section and they're looking at you and they're just going there's nothing to worry about we're I've, here I've made it to the far side and one day please God not not, well uh, very long in the distant future please God now not any day soon that my photograph in the death notices will give people great comfort well if, mm. to, if Tommy Tiernan can die I can fucking die too yes do you know what I mean yeah, yeah. Like, a, I used to, like before it's important to um that there are people going ahead to you. Before I learned how to drive, I was shitting myself. I'll never fucking learn this. Because uh, it's too complicated. But then I used to see old women driving around the town. I, fucking hell, if an old woman can drive yes. a car, surely I can drive a car as well. So mm. I went to, uh, I had a few cash in the bag pocket. And I went to... I'm the double dole. <laughs> the do- <laughs> and I bought a car and I had to get the car delivered what to the house. What was the first car? Ford Focus. Cla- Way oh, back. I remember it. It was a light blue car. No, it was green. It was light green. Was it? That was green. It was a very blue. conservative car for you. Like. A Ford... I, tried, I, don't, I didn't have an awful lot of money. Car I, stuff. I had a Toyota Corolla. Like It was like a nun's car, it looked like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I well, see what happened was I used to take the young to school every morning on a bicycle. And some days it would be raining and then you'd have to get a taxi. And you... We were on, weren't on very much money, so you couldn't afford to get in a taxi all the time. And then mm. I came into a bit of money from the stand-up because we'll have to buy a car. It was getting to the stage now where the Indian taxi driver was saying to us, if you want, I can come in the morning and collect your child for you. So you don't have to be taking the child to school yourself. It'll be a one-way trip. Where, where, where was this? <laughs> this was in Galway. <laughs> this was in Galway. So he was just going to bring the child on his own. So this fellow was I will come to your house every morning at 25 past 8 and pick up your child and bring him to school and you will trust me. You will trust me to bring, give me your son and I will take him to school no problem. And we just said my, my partner at the time says you better learn how to fucking drive. So I, I got a bit of cash together and I went to the garage and I says I, I, I want a Ford Focus. And they said to me okay we'll take it for a spin and I says, I, I says mighty job so we went out to the car and I got into the passenger seat. <laughs> And I said, and your mum was looking at me. I said, take a first spin and we have a look at her. (laughs) We came back to the garage. I said, she drives like a dream. I'll buy it. He says, fair enough. When do you want to collect it? I said, collect it. You'll be delivering it to the fucking house. (laughs) Because someone had told me the best way to learn how to drive is to be, is get a new car delivered to the house because you'd be mortified. 
but the neighbours looking at the new car and you not. So I learned learned in about I think I took t- ten lessons and mm. I was able to drive. Mm. But that thing of of there being people ahead of you doing the doing showing you an example. So when I pick up the death notices every week, and that's it. If if you do them in the Connacht Tribune, it is phenomenal the amount of people who in Banlaslow who die. More people in Banlaslow. <laughs> I swear, if you look up the death notices of of the Connacht Tribune, every person they're all. I didn't know if it's, a huge parish. I don't know if it's old people from Spittle going on a drive and <laughs> they die in Ballinasloe. But they just it's the amount of of <laughs> is phenomenal. But I take great comfort in that, you know. What about put your death notices on the radio? Is no, he, is you tell us about Midwest. Midwest was the first place ever to come up with the idea of having death notices on the radio daily. And then obviously all local radios follow yeah. suit after that. But it's a you know, it's a big money making. It's a big money spend. You know, they make How a lot of money. How much does it cost? How? Who, who makes money? Narita. The radio station makes money from the death. It costs, it it costs you money for the death yeah. It costs a lot of money. Fucking to scandalous. Much, I don't know. Would you I say in around cost. the area? I would say it cost you about 120 euro. To what? To, announce. to die? <laughs> yes. Jesus, if the fucking grief of it wasn't enough and you're going to meet the devil. No, and, but you and see, the thing is, if you, if, you, if, if, you, if you really want to make sure you're dead, you know, if people want to, you know, you want to highlight the fact that you're dead, you need to advertise it. There you go. And local you radios just, you up and down the country. I've, I will, You couldn't just let people figure it out for themselves. You haven't texted back in a while. <laughs> I wonder what's wrong with Tom Tiernan. Is he fucking dead or what? I would safely say that there are radio stations around the country making a considerable six-figure sum from the death notices. I was uh, I was doing a radio show once and I mm. I wasn't that long on the radio station. I wasn't familiar with the different times, you know, the death notices on at such and such a time. Anyway, I forgot. It was like a bank holiday and I forgot to play the death notices. There was... Hell to pay. Hell to pay. I'm listening to the radio for the death notices. There used to be people that would ring up and say, I heard someone died in in Knockmore. Will you tell me who it is? Well, I mean, if it's important to you, you'll know they're dead like. No, they, there was people that just wanted That's to brilliant. know. So they'd want, I'd, I'd, geez, I'd go to that funeral if it was someone They'd ring the, the station. Yeah, they'd ring the radio station and say, but I, geez, someone classic. died there in Ballina. Who was it? Jesus, like, hello. <laughs> you know. General question. Like, but is it, is, it's because people get comfort out of it. Yes. It's, 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 it's that there's people gone ahead of you. You know, that they're, they're paving the way. I'd if say it's okay for Mary Ward, if Mary Ward can die, I had two inter- interesting things about death now. Um, do you know this, this phrase, I heard it in a, a play that John B. Keane wrote, this woman is uh, throwing a curse on another woman and she roars out, May you die roaring. Oh, yeah. Mm. I was down in Kerry and uh, this fella comes up to me and um, he says, and people, when you're well known, people just come up to you and start conversations at random and mm-hmm. it's a marvel. It's a wonder to me. I love it. This fella comes up to me and he says, I'm 93. And I says, well, what's that like? And he says, well, I, I says, he says, I don't think about it that often. And he says, I, I'm going to die soon, he says. I hope the last hour is the hardest. And I've been perplexed as to what he fucking meant. Like, Why didn't you ask him? What did he, what, because he, he walked off then. Mm. What, what do you mean by that? The last hour is the hardest. And I asked somebody and they said to me, he was prepared to put in an hour's hard dying. Because of the sacrifices Christ made at the cross, and he wanted to go straight up then. And he, you know what I mean? That he, yeah. that in his mind, that Christ went through such torture. This is old school faith. Mm. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the Catholicism of the forties and the fifties mm. and the sixties. Yeah. Now in its dotage, and he was kind of going, "I hope that I'll put in, I'll put Imagine. in a solid wow. hours roaring." On account of the sacrifice yeah, Christ the made pain. on the cross, isn't that phenomenal? Isn't it? That, that he wouldn't mind doing that. Yeah, like he said, yeah. that mm. I, I don't mind. How, I, I don't mind if I'm roaring and fucking screaming. What that man went through on the cross, it's a small price wow. for me to have to pay. Do your suffering on earth, like, and then away you go. Isn't it phenomenal? Just the, old school faith. Yeah, yeah, old but, school. But, but, yeah. but think of it, ninety three. Years, years of, of age. age yeah. Think of the experience of life and what that man has seen. I know, it's and amazing, isn't it? I know this man, he's quite successful in his uh, 70s now probably, mm. early 70s, maybe not even 70 yet. And he says the, the, the thing he dreads most in life, and he'd be very wealthy, the thing I dread most in life is having to die. 
Like he said, I'm dreading having to die. I, I just, he says, I've too much living to do yet to die. Mm. You know, isn't there? Yeah, I was talking to some old people recently and I asked them, did they think about death and said, no, there's no point. Yeah. And I do think that thinking about death is something that happens maybe between your 40s and your 60s. And once you make it through that sniper's alley, mm. that you kind of go, there's no point in wasting my time thinking about this. It's going to happen. So I will plough on with the lust for life mm. rather yeah. than be... But when in your 40s and 50s, you're aware that it could happen at any time. The fact that it's not likely, it's possible, but it's not likely. Yeah. And that's what gives you the kind of the breathing room to think about it. Mm. But when you go over 60, it really could happen anytime. And they just, the, the realism of that is that people just go, no point in thinking about it. Yeah. Just plow on, like, no point in thinking be, about it. You don't want to be saying, oh, I wish I did this or. No, 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 no. I told you the story, I must have, about the fellow I was talking to who nearly died, nearly died at sea. He was in the water and he wasn't sure if he was going to be rescued. And he was looking back on his life and in that that way that you hear that people sometimes do when, mm. you know, going in front of them. and he said to me, uh, <clears throat> one day, he said, I was glad of all the nights I got drunk. Yeah, that's he, a nice thing to say. Do you know yeah. that he was, he was glad of all the nights the that, he, that he went beyond yeah. himself. Yeah, that, yeah. Yes. When, you, when you're at home and you're sober, you're kind of careful. Yeah, yeah. But there's something that you're, there's a chakra of generosity that opens up in your heart when you allow yourselves to get drunk with other people mm. and mm. you've kind of won like some of the greatest memories in your life could be memories you have of when you were drunk mm. with people and I was talking to you during the week and we had a laugh about this has happened to everybody who's ever got drunk where you're in a hotel room and you're going to sleep <gasps> in the nip and you wake up to go to the toilet but you go out the wrong door and before oh, you know it you're in the corridor now. with no key card between the cheeks <laughs> of your arse so how are you going to get back into Have the room these nip? ones? That is a bad situation. Well, these are the things but that it's never happen happened to in me. the height It of only happens to men, doesn't it? Well, no, there's been, I'd say many as a person has got locked out of a hotel room and we have some good stories about that. Will I go first? Uh-oh. So, I was at a Christmas party in Dublin and uh, the radio show had finished for Christmas three weeks or two weeks off. And a lad said to me, I'll meet a lad from Mayo. From, Don't trust him. From Swinford, oh. a good mate of mine. <laughs> Probably has butter No, no not from Swinford. That sorry, 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 sorry. He's not from Swinford. He's from Culturemach. Worse definitely again. Definitely Oh, Lord, Culturemach. He says, I'm down in the boar's head. Uh-oh. Come down. I was lying in a five-star hotel in... In in my lovely five star. And were you kind of drunk at this stage? Right. This is this is this is out a little bit of the city. I did. I like staying close to the motorway so I can escape to go. Pure country. I'd been in the hotel for four or five days, so it'd be a, there's a, this one of these fancy hotels that have a big bathtub at the window, just mm. on carpet, like a raised Cactus. up platform. Cactus. You know, like one of these pure glass, all glass windows Unreal. around the Unreal. toilet. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of these ones that there's no lights in the passageways. You go to your room, you can't even see where you're going. It's no, them. Fit. Do you know those little? And, and if then it's you a see a little. At all, you're yeah. Yeah. Them hotels are designed for people having an affair. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or two or double doors. And these ones, you go. Where's two one nine six one? I can't see. And there'll be a little underlight under six one nine to let your card in. I knew I stayed in this hotel regularly. They'd know me well. I got the phone call then. I knew I was finished. I finished the, the breakfast radio show that morning. I was lying in my bed at 11 and 12 saying I'll have a little snooze here because I am going at it tonight. I'm going into town and I'm going to get rat arsed. Two o'clock then I was half watching a movie and the text came meet me in the boar's head at half three. Uh oh. Uh oh. Trouble. <laughs> Trouble. <laughs> don't go. Don't go. Well I jumped out of the bed <laughs> like a 12 year old in the shower shaving and got me uh, Mark Jacobs on and then all the boys and, uh, and money and all and I went in a taxi the taxi took 25 minutes into Ranla and f- over the bridge in Portobello and it's getting all, all. I got and you're it. pure excited I got down onto Capel Street and I could see the board's head in the corner I walked in there was a few ex-Dublin GA county players there with my mate from Mayo and we went at it and I said the boys were all supping Guinness oh <laughs> yummy right in the corner five or six of us and I had a lovely little pit of the counter for myself the points were coming and the boys were knocking them back and there was great football stories and I said they said the, the golden question is at the start of a night Will what will you have oh. and I went mm, I think I'll have a bottle of Budvar Budvar that, that 8% Czechoslovakian Budweiser beer 
pure gas. I, yeah, because I don't <laughs> fancy fucking Heineken. Heineken. Give me oh. the bottle of Budvar in a Budvar glass, which is the original Budweiser. It's the original Budweiser. All right. It's called Budvar. And it's strong. Eight percent alcohol. Well, it's not at, eight, but it's well over six. I have three. You could have nah, started with at no least a Guinness. No food in the stomach. Uh oh. Budvar one, Budvar two. More stories. Budvar three, Budvar four. I knew at the back of my head I had to go to a TV rap party. Oh Jesus! Above in a, in a, a pub up there the the up the other side, way up the other side, the far side of Brooks Hotel on the corner, P Max, and I said, right, get up. I'll get up there for about eleven. I oh, was in the pub at half three. Seven o'clock came and it was all oh, oh. down, still down. I was up in the jack, weeing and down again. And <laughs> right then, I said I'd leave at about half ten. Now I was, I was well on my way. It was Christmas. I said I'd walk to Pmax. Oh, good idea. That was a sensible approach. Bad, bad. because oh. the air hit me. Oh. oh. Well, I got into P Max oh. and they were playing Queens of the Stone Age, and there's all these designs and it's all sort of cool uh, Bohemian people. <laughs> It was all like a Led Zeppelin psychedelic movie, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah," and I was like, "Yeah." I walked in, and I was hugging people. There was a TV rap, and they were all there. What do you have? And I was there, Bud Bar. Yeah. I stood at the counter, and I knew I was getting drunker and drunker. And about half twelve, one o'clock, I said, "That's it, done." I just walked out of there, said nothing to nobody, got out, got into a taxi. The taxi was like a spaceship. <laughs> Going back to the hotel, which was another 25 minutes out. Oh, oh I'd get sick it in the car. Was, it was light streaming by me. It was what? psychedelic. It was all over the shop. I didn't even, I can't remember a thing. Anyway, I got into bed, stripped naked. And I'm lying in the bed. I don't know where I was, what was happening. We used to call it helicopters. Maybe hell, because no shred, there was no shred of light in the room. No shred of light in the room, and I woke up really quickly. Go towards the toilet, which is all glass panels. Put my hand on the panels, trying to get in. <laughs> so you didn't run complete darkness. I don't even know where I am. Put my hands on the panels, panels, panels. Open this big heavy door, which is the big heavy door into the t- this cool toilet, Uh-oh. and then I hear the click behind oh, me Jesus. and then I'm there going oh, where am I in this darkness it's all darkness I still think I'm dreaming I'm feeling the ro- I don't know up along the passageway bollock naked oh, don't Jesus. remember a thing then all of a sudden I hit something like a steel area it was the it was the it was the the shaft for the catering people it was the fucking industrial lift oh, right and I get into the fucking lift I hit the button are you completely naked yes 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 I don't know where I am I'm off my fucking face on Alan Budvar I'm out of it and all oh, I can see was geez. a little panel and I went I pressed the button Hello. I pressed the button it said help and I press it right <laughs> and then I go Allah who's that <laughs> And then I could hear, hello, hello, who's this? I said, hello, who's this? Hello, where are you? I said, I don't know where I am. Where are you? You're true to the central office here in Cork for all those lifts or or whatever lifts. You're you're in a lift in the hotel in Dublin. And they said the name of the hotel. And then I went, bing. And I went, oh, are you okay? I said, I'm fine, I think. Yeah, yeah, no bother. And then I just went, oh, fuck, look at it. So then I was there going, balls. started cutting my shit. So then what am I going to do? I can't go down to reception. It's Christmas parties everywhere. <gasps> then, then the dawn, then I'm like, oh, I can't even get out of this lift. Uh-uh. So then I go out to the fire escape and I walk down I'm the... Ad- no, the, the, the oh, yeah. stairs, the, the cement stairs at the corner of the hotel. I go all the way down. Now I'm starting to realise I'm in a hotel. Now I realise I've been in Dublin for a few days. Now <laughs> I could see lights outside on this busy motorway. And then I look out and I could see 100 yards up there was two bouncers outside the hotel at the door, the right. revolving door. And I'm there going, how am I, Jesus Christ, going to get a message to, I know the manager's on, I know the night manager. And then I went, I jumped into a bush just close to them and I went, hello, <laughs> hello. And they're, hello. I said, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. And then your man comes down and he goes, oh yeah, Hector. I said, how's it going? Look at, <laughs> I'm in a boy. I'm in Bollock naked at three o'clock in the morning the outside f- the hotel in a bush. And he didn't bat an eyelid. And he goes, Hector, are you, are you okay? I said, no. Will you get me the, will you, will you send, get me, a, get me, I'll go back get up to six. Bathroom. Get me up to 627 and send up fucking six keys quick. I'll meet you back up there. So I'm back up the stairs and I'm outside the door and your man comes, oh, Hector, sorry man, what happened? I said, long story. I got inside the room and I went, thanks, Peter, fuck. Do you know what I did the next day? I got up at half five, six o'clock in the morning because I wanted nobody to see me at breakfast. (laughs) My missus rings me at about 
20 to 8. Normally I'd be lying in bed looking for poached eggs and television on. She said, well, have you having a lion? I said, I'm in nothing right. <laughs> I, I'm coming home quick. <laughs> oh, my word. Fucking hell. You're in a lift. Where are you? <laughs> Help. Oh, my word. I know when it happened, boys. I know when it happened. I know when we went wrong. And I know what the signifier was. Us or? The world in general. Uh, I am, uh, as you know, I've been looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and looking and looking for something interesting to watch on the television. And I have eventually found it. I, uh, I love stuff about the Taliban and the undercover agents going across the Taliban and infiltrating. Yes. Because I think I could belong in that world. I think that I am half Arabic. I think if I, you had a towel on your head, you'd probably I, put it in. A bit of fake tan on and just to grow the... And I, I think the strictness of full Taliban would fucking suit me. Just mm. to get up... I, I'm already getting... I've told you this before, but I'm, I get up... <laughs> half <laughs> six in the morning. I'm up at half six in the morning and I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for an excuse to stop drinking. So joining Taliban would be perfect. I'm uh, not sure they'd tolerate a I'd bottle go. of Jimmy once a week. But anyway, so I'm watching this uh, Taliban type program and its course is half set and I love any show any show that is shows uh, uh, it shows a shot of a building and then it comes up and typing Langley Virginia oh yeah yeah I like yeah, that yeah, bit yeah, yeah. yeah. CIA, it always creates suspicion yeah. CIA, CIA headquarters Langley Virginia oh 600 hours I'll, brilliant any yeah. program with that yes you're in you're in you're in the fucking Taliban and, and the boring momentum you have my attention so Hello, so looking Lock me, lock me, lock, lock me. That's what they say. Lock in, lock real, lock. That's what they're saying. Lock mask, lock real, lock. Hello, lock real, lock con, lock mask, lock con, lock it all, yeah. So, Quinsultonian Bridge. Can't pronounce that ever. Try it again there. I can't. Quinsultonian Bridge. Yeah, you have it there. Isn't that right? Yeah, more or less, yeah. So I'm watching. So we're in the bit where it's set in the Taliban, and it's all in the mud hut walls and the kind of the dusty camps, yes. and you know, women walking around. They're, they're covering the head to foot, and they're fucking burkas. Oh, <laughs> who turned off the burkas? Burkas. They're called burkas, no? Yeah. Or is that the boilers? Yes. That's the thing for making tea. Oh yeah. Uh, and uh, this fella and he's and I love the way they were, the way their long tunics and a blazer. Over the white stuff or the white. Do you know they have the, the kind yeah, of the, the, yeah, the, ma- yeah. the, the man dress on? Yeah. They have the beard and the angry eyes and the bit of mascara to give them a bit of definition. And they have an old kind of wrap around PLO scarf and a bit of yeah. a. And then they have the blazer. Or a waist. Uh, from Michael Henney's. Uh, <laughs> just for biros and sweets. <laughs> and, and, maybe, and their glasses. And their glasses. And the key through there. Uh, and this fella had to. He had to. Now he didn't know, but he was going in town to get exploded. He didn't know. There was a fella in uh, one of these places in Nevada uh, with a joystick who was going to explode him. But your man, your man had no fucking idea, of course. He, he shouldn't was, have put the blazer on. He was just heading into town. He did This fella who just, he, he checked into work at about quarter past nine. And this is the, the boy in Nevada and he's moving the joystick and he's 500 fucking miles up in the air and he sees this boy and he just presses the button and your man fucking explodes with no explanation. Like... <laughs> It's just walking down the no, street. No, it's on telly. It's on television. The difficulty is... That is this actually real or did this happen in your head? No, this is the, the tele- but this actually happens where you be in a conversation with a few people and next The more the better. If you're in the Taliban place, like you'd be sitting around, you wouldn't know that a fella from Nevada would be looking at you and looking at Wadagi. And you'd Langley. Be, <laughs> it's West Virginia. Start. And you'd be looking, next thing you'd fucking explode. Like... <laughs> For no reason. You can't see it in the sky. You've heard nothing. The next thing you do, boof, and he's fucking gone. Anyway, so this particular boy was, he was, he didn't know he was going to be exploded that day, but he was, he was a marked man. And he was, so he's going to head in from his mud hut into the centre of the village, right? And he got on a Honda fucking 50. And, and a penny dropped in my head. That's it. That's where humanity is gone. Years ago, what would he get on? A camel. A camel or a donkey or some sort of a fucking pie ball. He would have had a relationship with the yoke he was riding, mm. wouldn't he? Yeah. It would have been an alive thing, a breathing thing, an eating, farting, shitting, sleeping thing, a drinking thing. And he's made of the same stuff. 
and him getting on this is a symbiotic yoke. The two of them together. <laughs> Some loyalty between them. There's a connection between them. I like them. the idea of Honda 50. But and the Honda, that's where it went wrong. No, but we were reared on Honda 50s. No, the Honda 50 is where it went wrong. And that's why he's going to get exploded from the fucking sky. If nobody... <laughs> I'm telling you, the, 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 the relationship between man and machinery... Is is the, is the reason it's getting out? Is the if, reason it's out of hand? If we didn't have the Honda Fifty, we wouldn't have the machine to blow them up. Fucking spot on. Yes. What what could they do? Fucking throw eggs at them or something? What sure? If we didn't have the Honda Fifty in Ireland, there'd be no work done for a hundred years. How would anyone have got anywhere around the farm? Horses, your heart. No, the uh-huh. Honda Fifty was the workhorse of the thirties, the forties, the fifties, the sixties, the seventies. What did well, the on Honda Fifty was one of the greatest bikes of all time but for what, country people? You couldn't round up cattle though. Uh, of course, you could. You could not. You, you, Stop the you couldn't pick 50. stones with it or pick spuds or plant spuds. One of the gr- Are you listen to her. You couldn't what? Pick stones or plant potatoes. How do you get to the bog? Walk. How do you get to the field with the stones? Well, How do you get into town? No, oh. the tractor's more bombs. No, you see Tractors. the Honda. Don't knock the Honda fifty. A horse. The horse was better That's for everyone you. years ago. The horse used to be able to pick the stones. You'd put, you'd put the rope around the stone. You put the, the st- attach it to the stop the the horse. And pull them on. More importantly, you could take the horse into town, time up, have 18 bottles of porter. Well, I show you nine, something mad. Nine, Buy a load n- of chickens. Nine little whiskies, And who'd take you home? The horse. And horse. would the horse know where to go? Yes. Absolutely. And would you get pulled over? By what? Nothing. Of course you'd. A guard has never stopped a man from being drunk on a horse. No. Because the horse is in control. That's it. If, but many a man has been stopped in charge of a, a motorised vehicle. Well, we're in trouble now because... Not alone is there Honda 50s, but there's phones and there's... I we're, think we're not enough. The Honda 50 to me is a sacred, sacred mode of transport in this country. I do see your point about machinery and technology and all that, but do not, do not knock the Honda 50 that reared young lads and men and grandfathers and six of them on the bike to the bottom of romance. Six on the Honda 50 and a young one on the back on the way home. Tied together with fertiliser bags and bale and twine. Bale. I know the type. I know the type. You know, but don't the greatest, the Honda 50. The greatest laugh I've ever had in my life was in a Honda 50 rally. We went <laughs> from knock to knock. So, so we, Around the corner. We went to knock out the road and, and back in. And back, <laughs> and back to knock. But I've never laughed so much in my life. Top speed of a Honda 50 is about 35 miles an hour. But it cannot stay at 35 miles an hour. It'll reach 35 and, and you clutch again. And you'd be there for maybe three or four minutes. And then herself, she'll just slow down herself like she's she's out of breath. And then she pick up speed again. So what you had was you had about 400 men on Honda 50s all peaking at different times. And you'd be... <laughs> Blue ones and red ones. And you'd be passing somebody by and you'd be laughing at you'd them because you're ah. riding high. And then four minutes later, he'd be laughing passing you by. It was the most fun I've ever had on two wheels. But I would have to ha- concur with Larita. The day we stopped riding the animals was the day the sky started fucking exploding. Yeah. That's what I'm saying to you, is that, that there's... We put we, our own nails in our own coffins then. I couldn't have said it better myself. No. I was living in Bilbao and I went into the Guggenheim, the Guggenheim was just after being built and we walked by one day and it said, motorbike uh, piece. So we, went, we said, we'll have a look at this. Piece? What do you mean? Motor- a motorbike um, exhibition. exhibition. Oh, sorry. I and we like walked in and I kid protest. you not... Most of the bikes in there were on a Honda 50 World Tour. And I just looked at the red Honda 50 in the middle of the Guggenheim in Bilbao. And I said, one of the great bikes in the world. One of the funniest things I've ever seen on television is you on the, <laughs> on the Honda 50 in Thailand. Have you ever seen this, Larissa? <laughs> oh. It's the funniest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it ends, uh, it's the end I of one episode. Was, we're in, we're in Koh Samui. It's, 20, it's 29 degrees. It's, we're finishing the shot. Roscoe's hanging out the back of a, of a high ace with our driver. Somebody car, somebody bike. Just nice and easy now. 30 kilometres an hour. I'm here in my sarong and I'm doing a great piece. Going, shut up, Koh Samui. Tom Green at Tanev, Tasha Tropical, Tasha Gaholan, Agashineo, Thailand, Gunia Nocht. Good luck! I'm supposed to pull out and I'm supposed to do a drive by. <laughs> I, I don't know what I did. My uh, memory of this is that, that you, you, you were sitting there, because a, lo- a lot of people wouldn't be, if you're not used to how fast the the, the accelerator t- goes <laughs> on a bike, that's, that's the whole key to biking. 
is known. And same with like wrist control. It's all wrist control. You, and like you might think I need to fucking rev it to yeah. get it going, but you just it's a tiniest. It's in it's in it's a millimeter of an inch, like to get going. But Hector didn't know this, and he was is a shitty. That's all from us. I hope you enjoyed this fantastic. Tele- and he's on one side of the road. <laughs> Captain Cap, Samari Cap. Oh, it's been great talking to you. Thailand is the most amazing place in the world. And he probably had this image in his head like a I'm fucking easy my... rider just go back. And he said, "Good luck to you now." And fling, I swear to fuck, from one side of the road into the ditch it's on the other side. A ravine. Straight down into a 30-foot ravine. And it t- but before I realised that, I was down in a ditch. And it was totally Still accelerating. And then Roscoe, the camera keeps rolling. He goes over. It was fucking... yourself in. Oh, what a great end was your... <laughs> oh yeah, sabadi cap, sabadi bye. Well, everybody, I hope you've enjoyed our podcast this week. We'll see you next week. All things being well. This has been Tommy, Hector, and Lorena. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.